Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Barley Laces Podcast. My name is Bill Malik, and this is my co-host, Trenton Cito. How are you, Trenton? I am fantastic. Can I say I'm super, even though it's no longer super wildcard weekend? It's now divisional round weekend. I guess there's no super hype name for that. No, it's just plain old divisional round there, Trenton. I think you think that we can leave the super with last week. Can we call it dynamic? Divisional round. Why not? Let's do it. All right. How are you, Blau? <laughs> Doing pretty well. Been uh, it's been a busy week in terms of football news and just uh, life in general. So it's another opportunity to talk football with you, and uh, let's get at it. Yeah. All right. So uh, I know last week Trenton was Black Monday at the beginning of the week of the off season, but. The firings have not ended, and Doug Peterson <laughs> has been let go. <laughs> smile on their trend. Doug Peterson has been let go by the Philadelphia Eagles, and honestly, it's not a surprise anymore after the reports that we were hearing last week and the way the Eagles season ended. Yeah, it, uh, it. It it honestly seems like they were planning to keep him. Um, Could have, but and, yeah, they went a different way. Yeah, there there was just so much backlash um, over him putting in Nate Sudfeld all the way at the end of the game, and then the whole the whole thing that we talked last week about how just disorganized it was. You know, there were players who were upset, and you know they didn't understand the decision, and then there were other players who were like, "Oh yeah, no," but we were told, you know, before the game that we were gonna we were gonna put in Nate Sudfeld, and just that whole that whole misunderstanding, that whole mess is, you know, just such a terrible thing for the team to go through under Peterson. Um, I mean, he was a good coach. He brought them to the Super Bowl. He brought them to the Super Bowl when their star quarterback went down and Nick Foles came in and was the hero, you know? So um, he's, he's not a bad coach. He's, he's a great coach, but it's just it's the way the dominoes fell. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, what really lost his job, in my opinion, is just the way he managed the end of the season. Yeah. And the whole situation, Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts, who's in, who's out. But what was even worse was the way he managed last game. It was as if he was basically screaming, all right, fire me, fire me, mm-hmm. because I don't know what I'm doing. Get me out of this situation. <laughs> And that, that was his SOS signal. It was like, get me out, get me out. Yeah. And the um, Eagles were in it because they played in the NFC East and then they still couldn't um, do anything. I mean, they had their worst offensive productions since 2012. And that was Andrew Reid's last year as a head coach. The record was the worst since 2012, 4, 11, and 1. Points per game was at 20.9. Worst since 2012, and a point differential was minus 5.3 points per game. Differential, sorry, was minus 5.3 points per game that they were at, and that was also the worst since 2012. And when I mean, Andy Reid got fired after 2012, so it came. Uh, the Eagles did not pose a threat to anybody, and like you said, it's uh. We saw, we saw it coming. 
Yeah. Um, and there was also a report that came out around this time that that Peterson was unhappy for a long time with uh, the the owner, Jeffrey Lurie, and the, the general manager, Howie Roseman. And it was basically that Doug Peterson had been doing what they asked for a long time, you know, whatever they asked about personnel decisions or, you know, his, his coaching staff. But eventually he drew the line when they said he could not raise his um, protege to the new offensive coordinator for the team. And, you know, that was, that was what prompted them to say, okay, we don't like your vision for the team anymore. And then ejected him from the team. So, I mean, every coach has got their, got what they want, what they don't want. And if they don't feel that they're in the best place to be as well. So probably the best move for everyone. And then just, he ended his tenure as Eagles head coach with a record of 46, 39, and one, four playoff wins, including a Super Bowl. I mean, he was the only only the eighth coach to win a Super Bowl when, within his first two years. I mean, so he, he's had success, but now he's going to be, for the recent time, he's going to be um, remembered for his debacle at the end of this past season. So we'll see where he goes. Probably going to end up as an OC somewhere. Or might as well just take the year off. I mean, if I was him, I'd take it off just to see where I evaluate the field next year to see if there's any openings available and uh, see what see what comes of that. Yeah. Uh, let's continue on with the list here of firings, although it's a very short list. Brian Schottenheimer, the offensive coordinator from Seattle Seahawks, the man who let Russ cook. And slowly through the season, slowly through the season, the meal started to steer a little bit, stick to the bottom of the pan, and then uh, it ruined the pan. So, (laughs) yeah, um, the decision was announced on Tuesday, and they cited philosophical differences uh, between Pete Carroll, head coach, and Brian Schottenheimer. Um, Yeah, it's it's such a weird such a weird year for them where they started with Russell Wilson looking like he would probably be the MVP and ending the season losing to the Rams, which we'll cover later on. Perfectly put, Trenton, perfectly put. I was going to mention here that Seahawks started the year 5-0. and Russell Wilson looked like he was going to throw for like 100 touchdowns. <laughs> and then reality hit and reality hit fast. Like it was, they came crashing back down to earth. And wow, you just to see. I mean, B. Carroll wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. He's not the problem anyway. So it, uh, and he's the boss. So if he wants you to do something in a way that you're not doing it, you, you gotta be, I mean, you, you don't really have a choice. Right. Um, so it's uh, you know, this is this is the best that we've seen Russell Wilson performing in an offense in probably most of his career because he was yeah, lifted up by a good defense. He has to sustain it now for a whole season. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, five six games to start out the year is great, but the season's sixteen games long, and I mean they made it to the playoffs, and 
They lost to Jared Goff on a, with a who has three pins inserted into his thumb like two weeks ago. So they were in it. They were in it. Like they weren't. Uh, it's not like the Rams were blowing them out or anything. Yeah. Um, all right. Why don't we uh, leave some of the the sadness behind with the firings and we go into some happiness with the hirings. A lot of these happened this week and there are a lot to cover here. So take it away. Yeah. So uh, the Broncos have brought in Peyton, not the Peyton you're thinking. This is not Peyton Manning who was rumored. This was rumored to be the GM, but no, they have hired George Peyton for a six year deal. George Payton was the Vikings assistant GM. He was with the Vikings for 13 years, 13, 14 years, something like that. So, uh, you know, they, they take away a long time personnel person from the Vikings, bring him in to replace John Elway. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what he brings. 13 years part of one team is a very long time. Yeah, that is. That is crazy. And just to think all the changes he's witnessed. But it's also allowed him to develop as a person and as an executive. So it'd be interesting to see how the Broncos um, evolve now. I mean, 5-11 and 11 last year, they have haven't really had much success since um, winning the Super Bowl back, came back in 20, 2015, 2016 season, causing – after Peyton Manning's retirement, they haven't. <laughs> is this the guy that finally gets him the stability at the quarterback position? Is this the guy that um, helps uh, to return that defense to a top, top, um, top position in the league? And Elway, like we just mentioned, Elway has been the guy. Elway has been the guy since 2011. And now the fact that he wants to step away from day-to-day personnel, it just allows a new fresh um, face opinions to flow through, through through that building. And, I mean, he's gone through a few head coaches. He's gone through Fox. He's gone <laughs> through um, Kubiak. He's gone through – forgot the middle guy. Oh, uh, yeah. the uh, He's a defensive coordinator now for the – the Cardinals. Um. Hmm. <laughs> Get back to that. And then after that, he got um, of uh, Vic Fangio. So my question here, Trenton, is that always stepping away, right? But will his fingerprints still be on the team? Is he still going to find a way to – I know he. it's on paper saying that uh, Peyton here will have all control over all the operations of the team, but it just seems hard for me like to have, still have Elway in the building in that leadership position that he will find some way to intervene and put his um, input on everything. Yeah, and they have um, a lot of big contracts still coming up with, that this new GM is going to have to decide: Are they going to resign? Uh, are they going to keep uh, Justin Simmons? who is going to be an unrestricted free agent and Von Miller, who we have a story to discuss about him in a little bit. 
and Kareem Jackson. A lot of these, and but luckily for them is that they Elway has put them in a position to have uh, a decent salary cap space. But my thing is that Elway is just going to still find some input in it. What are your yeah. thoughts here? I'm going to look up the guy who we were missing. Uh, I, I also looked him up. It is Vance Joseph. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, like what, what you said about John Elway, I completely agree with. I mean, he's a guy who is just so beloved in the Denver Broncos community and for him to have such a, a big position in the organization. I mean, even, even if he says it's not going to be him who's, you know, making a lot of these decisions, you, you got to know a lot of the decisions will go to him. They'll be asking him for advice and such. And when John Elway says something, they're probably not going to do something else. Not what he says. But um, one, one final point I want to mention here before we move on is that you mentioned before 2015 is when the Broncos last had success and they had a Peyton in the building. They have a Peyton in the building now. We'll see if he brings the same success. Hopefully. Um, but it, <laughs> only the only issue is this Peyton isn't on the field. And we need more of a Peyton on the field type of person than uh, Peyton, in the, Peyton in the front office. Well said. Maybe he's in. Maybe he'll recruit that Peyton to come over and help him out. Oh no! Now there will be two of them with two Peytons. They'll be unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Continuing on in some hiring news. After being fired as the Atlanta Falcons head coach early and early on in this season, and my main ad, he was so close to compiling a 500 record trend. He ended up at 43 and 42. Dang, so close. Obviously, I'm talking about Dan Quinn, who has now been hired as the new defensive coordinator for America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, which yes. has not been playing like America's team. No, they may be America's team, but they do not have America's defense. <laughs> they might now. They might now, because now they have this new Dan Quinn. But um, looking at where the what type of team or what type of defense he's inheriting, this past season the Cowboys allowed a franchise record of 473 points during this season and the 31st ranked run defense. Additionally, in their first six games, five out of them allowed the Cowboys to. Um, Allow more than th- at least thirty-four points a game in the first five, in the first six games, five games. Can't win like that. Again, they were playing in the NFC East and had a chance till the last week to make it, but they didn't. But they didn't. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if it's because I haven't followed the Cowboys as much, but. I feel like they haven't had a a good defense since Rod Marinelli was there. And I think even under him, the defense wasn't spectacular, but at least they were somewhat middle of the pack for them. And that was, that was enough to, to keep them in the running each year. But uh, yeah, Dan Quinn, 
he was in charge of the Legion of Boom. And that that team had a lot of playmakers. I mean, they went to a Super. They went to. They went to one or two Super Bowls. I know the Seahawks went back to back, but was he was he there the second time, or did he already get the job in Atlanta? In ah, that's that's a good question. That I'm not sure about, but still, in general, he was there for two years in it in Seattle and won the 2013 Super Bowl against the Broncos, and that team. I mean, that Super Bowl in general was a defensive uh, masterpiece. They didn't allow, allow the Broncos to do anything. But that team had the likes of Cam Chancellor, Bobby Wagner, Earl Thomas, and Richard Sherman. Now, he doesn't have those same pieces in Dallas or even, for the most part, those type of quality players on defense. But he still is – I feel now that he's been able to fo- – he's going to be able to focus just on the defensive side of the ball he he'll be able to. I, I think that's what he does best. I don't think being a head coach, at least in Atlanta, didn't work out for him. Even though he did go to a Super Bowl, the past few years in Atlanta hadn't lived up to um, the expectations that had been set after that Super Bowl run. But he's got Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderesh, and just a, these are. I mean, nothing really stands out to me on the Cowboys' defense, which shows why they were, where they where they were, but it'll be interesting to see what he works with. Yeah, and uh, per your question from earlier, Dan Quinn was with the Seahawks uh, in their 2013 season and their 2014 season, and those okay. Are- see, so in the two years he was the defensive coordinator in Seattle, that team went to two Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Not saying Dallas is going to a Super Bowl next year, but I I'm expecting some improvement. Can't get worse than uh, I mean you can actually you can go to 32nd rush <laughs> defense, and you can go to adding worse franchise more points, but uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. Yes, for for his sake and for the team's sake and for the fans' sake, and for Jerry Jones' sake. <laughs> can't forget about the boss continuing on here we have um, a new head coaching hire in Atlanta so we just transferred from the Atlanta firing earlier this season to now Atlanta hiring Atlanta has hired former Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith and I think this is probably a good move for this team based off of the pieces that they have. First of all, they still have Matt Ryan, who, talking about that Atlanta Super Bowl run, won the MVP that season. And under Kyle Shanahan, who was the offensive coordinator. Um, they still got Julio Jones, top one of the top wide receivers in the league. So even though he's still getting it, he's getting up there now in age, and, um, injuries and production. But – Still top receiver, nonetheless. And Derek, no, sorry. And um, Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, thank you. I was thinking of his most recent running back, Derek Henry. But <laughs> still going off of that, he was partly responsible, mainly responsible for helping Henry get to 2,027 yards this past season. I mean, who else is calling the plays? Mm-hmm. 
Right. And additionally, the receivers finished. AJ Brown in, ten, in Tennessee finished with 1,075 yards, and Corey Davis is only close to 16 yards short of getting 1,000 yards. So just and the Titans' offense showed a lot of production, even though they didn't weren't able to progress in the playoffs. Uh, I think his skill set will be best fit for what they're doing in Atlanta if it's not too late for some players. Absolutely. Um, I mean, Matt Ryan, the the Falcons now have been known for, for not being fantastic every season, but Matt Ryan has, has thrown for over 4,000 yards in every season all the way up until 2010. So the last 10 seasons, you know, win or loss for the Falcons, good record or not, Matt Ryan's thrown for over 4,000 yards, you know? Um, and I think this, this pairing with Arthur Smith as head coach, assuming Arthur Smith brings in his, his type of uh, rushing attack and play action style of offense, Matt Ryan has a lot to look forward to. It'll be interesting to see. And hopefully, um, I mean, it's hard to see a player of that caliber just struggle the way he has been struggling. And if there's anyone there who can revive his career, I think uh, this is the chance. Other than that, I think he, there's nothing else that you can do. Yeah. All right. Moving on to perhaps one of the biggest pieces of news mm-hmm. this week Urban Meyer is one of the most successful coaches in the history of college football, and he has just been named the head coach for the Jaguars. Yeah. um, We were talking about this last week. I believe that the Jaguars head coaching position is probably the most attractive position to any uh, potential candidate. And this is primarily because it is a clean slate. Mm -hmm. They have been given... I mean, whoever was going to come in was going to have the first overall pick, and they were they were going to be able to mold that team into whatever they wanted it to look like. And we had been hearing reports over the past week that Alden Meyer would have been would be the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I don't know. It became official as soon as they rolled out the carpet on that private jet that landed in Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> And the biggest question I have here, Trenton, is he's had all the success in college football, right? He's won championships. He has his name recognition. He's just every success you can manage. Then he retires two years ago and becomes an analyst. Just getting back into the game is one thing. Going from college, I have never, in my knowledge, have never coached at any level in the pros. Just going from that, from a college environment to the pros, can he make the transition? And he's got a lot of tough decisions ahead of him, especially with the first overall pick in the draft. And everyone's assuming it's going to be Trevor Lawrence, but what if it isn't? What if he finds someone else that could be better suited for what he wants to do? And, I mean, there's so many unknown questions here. Yeah. um, I mean – like you say, the biggest thing about him is just the hype. Uh, you know, coming from his his record in college, which was 
187 wins and only 32 losses, which is actually amazing. <laughs> like, absolutely amazing. But like you said, can he make the transition to the NFL? Um, if we look at a, a recent example of a college coach not being able to make that transition, I think, you know, you just have to look at Chip Kelly and what he did with the with the Eagles. I mean, he came in, it was a it was very exciting for the team. It was. And um, he, but he had Michael Vick too. He already had an established quarterback who fit that system. Hmm. But then that whole experiment crashed down really fast. Yeah. So um I don't know. Just just hopefully Urban Meyer can can come in and and not make the same mistakes that Chip Kelly did. Uh, one thing I do want to mention, though, is that uh, Ashlyn Sullivan, who is a Jaguars team reporter, posted on Twitter that the Jags ticket department said 50% of their season ticket deposits came after the announcement that Meyer was hired as head coach, which is eight times ahead of last year's pace, which just goes to show you how excited Jaguars fans are about this hire. Hey, it gives them something to be excited about. Um, I know they got that big jumbo swimming pool right next to the jumbotron <laughs> in that stadium. So uh, hey, that's something else to be excited about if you're a Jaguars fan. <laughs> I don't know, man. There's yeah. people down in Jacksonville have not had much to be excited about for the past few years, and um, hopefully this brings something new to them. And think about it. Though. A few years ago, Jackson was playing in the AFC Championship game against Patriots to go to the Super Bowl. With Blake Bordeaux at quarterback. Yes. <laughs> yes. He just looked so done as soon as I mentioned his name. I mean, he had a good year. What can I say? But overall, he has not been someone who you can expect to do that in general. And the Jaguars have not been a team that you can expect to really compete. And they only got into this first of all pick position because the Jets won a game. Think about it. The Triton, the Jags won the first game of the season. And everyone thought, all right, here we go. This is going to be it. And then they just lost 15 straight games. It all went downhill from there. <laughs> all right. <thank> you. <laughs> Moving on to uh, the Jets, as we had just discussed. They have hired 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala as their head coach. And this, this is a good story, Turn. I mean, this guy has put together – he's worked really hard in the time in San Francisco and Two years ago, they're in the Super Bowl and have such a dominant defense. I mean, last year they're hit with—I mean, not sorry, not last year. It's this year because it's not really over. But this year, this year they were hit with COVID. They were hit with injuries, and he still was able to put together a really dominant defense for the 49ers for what he was able to work with. I mean, just go to that uh, Cardinals game uh, towards the end of the season, and they were able to limit Kyler Murray in really putting any um, – just really affecting them in general. Like, putting – really, 
isolated him and were able to control that game because they're not that deep. 49ers defense put them in positions throughout the year. I mean, without without that defense, that this team could have – I mean, they, in a way, they did collapse, but compared to a Super Bowl run, but just looking at how worse it could have been if they didn't have that defense, this is a good hire for the Jets. And for a team that has so many issues – I think they are finally going to have someone uh, in a stable position of, as a head coach. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this guy is probably the most hyped up coach during a game. Man, I would love to kind of have him surrounding, just be around him. The energy he brings, mm-hmm. he needs that other coach to pull him back, like the get back guy, <laughs> the get back coach. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, you know, this year, the 49ers have had so many injuries on both sides of the ball. They lost Nick Bosa, their star pass rusher earlier in the season. And I think they only had Richard Sherman for like half of the season. And still he was able to lead them to finishing fifth in yards and 17th in scoring in defense this year, which is crazy i mean you're missing your top pass rusher and you're able to finish only allowing the fifth least in yardage that's that's crazy i mean it also became apparent that once the jets were interested and he was interested that this was going to happen mm-hmm. um i mean he had been interviewing for head coaching positions in other places i believe he even interviewed for the lions which would have been good for him i mean he's from Dearborn, Dearborn, Michigan, and it would have been his like a homecoming for him. Uh, but I'm kind of glad that didn't happen because then the Bears would not have to face him <laughs> twice a year. Because he would, no matter what he would have, no matter how Detroit's offense would have looked, he would have put together a stellar defense and a decent offense. That's usually how it goes with these uh, defensive-minded uh, head coaches. They put together a stellar defense and a capable offense. So I mean, it's good that this guy, he should have got a head coaching job last year, except I mean, when you go all the way to the Super Bowl, you kind of limit your options because most of the positions are already filled up by then. Interesting fact here, Trenton, is that he, he's got six kids. Oh. Six kids I found out this morning on the NFL uh, Good Day, or was it Good Morning Football? Apparently he's going to be moving to New Jersey with six kids and – Another one on the way. So that's that's a full family right there. <laughs> Competing with the Philip Rivers and Cam Newton. <laughs> and this one last thing cannot go um, unnoticed here, especially for me personally, is he will be the first Muslim head coach in NFL history. And it's like, just shows another level of uh, diversity and inclusion here. And yeah. The quality yeah. guy who deserves it. Absolutely. I mean, why don't, why don't I, I take that a little further um, because of the, the new Rooney rule or the addition to the new Rooney rule that was, that was uh, just put in, I think maybe eight months ago or so. Um, the 49ers are going to get third round draft picks in the next two drafts because they were developing Robert Sala and he has been, hired by the Jets. So, um, yeah, there we go. It's great. So another, 
It's hard not to root for the guy. Mm-hmm. And hopefully he has great success in New York and turns that team's fortunes around because that fan base is hungry for a win. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the Lions. The Lions have hired Brad Holmes, the Los Angeles Rams scouting director, to be their new GM. I mean, anything to turn that team's fortunes around would be good. And Mm -hmm. hopefully he comes up. Now that he's there, his new task will be to put together, um, not put together, to find a new head coach for that team. And I mean, now that he's going to be interested in who he finds and what type of person they are. Yeah. Um, And the Rams will also be receiving two of those third round draft picks because they were the ones who developed Brad Holmes and the Lions hired him. So uh, I believe there was also news that Brad Holmes was, was the one leading social justice programs and initiatives for the Rams team when he was there. So that's, it, it's just a great guy. And that works out for the Lions perfectly because they were one of the few teams to really start um, taking charge in these social justice and diversity issues at the beginning of the season with the shooting of Jacob Blake and just all the protests that had happened over the summer. The Lions were um, at the forefront of that. So that's good. He's a guy who, from what we're hearing, he fits the culture of the team and he's establishing his own culture too. Mm-hmm. And my major question is to see now who does he bring in as a head coach? Yeah, that's going to be a, a big question indeed. With all these head coaching roles that have been filled up so far, we now can narrow the list down to teams that do not have a head coach, which include the Lions, the Texans, the Chargers, and as of this week, the Eagles. Yeah. Um... Out of these, Trenton, which now we have, I mean, we took away our more attractive roles of the Jets and the Chargers, and not the Chargers, the Jaguars. So out of these four remaining teams, quickly here, who would you want to, where would you want to go? Oh, this is, uh, this is interesting. Um, I know we said last week that the Chargers was one of our, our more exciting places to go, but recently when I thought about it, and why there wasn't wasn't really any news about who's going to the Chargers. Beginning to think it's because Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are <laughs> also there in AFC West. That could be a very valid reason. But also, you look at it here. If you are the Chargers, if you are the new Chargers head coach, now you have the opportunity to build a team that could compete with the likes of an Andy Reid or a Patrick Mahomes. And I don't know, maybe you want to take it on as a challenge as being that team that could dethrone the Chiefs. Yeah. It doesn't look like the Chiefs are going to slow down anytime soon, but if you want to take a stab at it, why not? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to stick with the Chargers as the, the most exciting and most, the most friendly roster that you can build on. Because the Lions and the Eagles, those rosters – have a lot of aging players and they're not they they're probably headed to to a rebuild at some point in the texans 
Texans are just a mess. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. All right, moving out of these hirings and firings, let's, uh, we have some Bill Belichick news to discuss here. Bill Belichick, and he is not in the postseason for the first time in a long time. Yes, sir. And this is primarily because he was going to be awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President Donald J. Trump. And you can just imagine how that was going to turn out by um, players and just those around the league. And it's not just that he was going to be, I mean, first of all, backing up here, Belichick does, in my view, deserve this uh, Medal of Freedom, generally speaking here. I mean, if you look at the premise of the the medal, the award is, it was established in 1963 by Kennedy, President Kennedy. And just the idea is to award people um, who have made contributions to uh, culture or any significant achievements or just people who have made an impact in society is a positive impact. And sports figures have gotten all the time, such as, um, who are we going there right now? Blanking out. Um, Michael Jordan, sorry. Michael Jordan got it. Let's just put that name out there. And what he was able to do for basketball on and off the court um, provided him to be a worthy recipient of this. And Belichick is probably the, one of the best, co- probably the co- best coach to ever play. I mean, coach in the NFL. And no, unless he was, he's worthy of this award. But it's the timing of this with what we witnessed last week with the rioting and the mob and those terrorists who attacked the Capitol and accepting it from this president at this time who doesn't have much time left, who in my opinion, I know we're trying, we're not trying to get political here right now, but just in my view, this is probably pulled into stunt to distract from what is happening in the world. And it just didn't work. And thankfully, Belichick was able to recognize the situation and basically politely declined that he does not want to accept the award, even though he said he was, he's honored and everything, which he should be, but he... Is a great, um, he has great appreciation for the values of the nation. According to a statement, I'll read this part here. Above all, I'm an American citizen with great reverence for our nation's values, freedom, and democracy. I know I also represent my family and the New England Patriots team. One of the rewarding things in my professional career took place in 2020, went through the great leadership within our team, conversations about social justice, equality, and human rights moved to the forefront and became actions. That's a great that's statement. A powerful, that's a powerful point to make mm-hmm. in your statement. And maybe one day he'll get the award, but I'm, I'm glad he turned it down. That's the right thing to do. Yeah. I, uh, I let you, you take the lead on that segment and you put it perfectly. I can't add any more to it. <laughs> Thank you. All right, uh, let's move on. Von Miller. Von Miller is under criminal investigation. Oh, for what, Trent? What do you do? Nobody knows yet. 
Um, no details have been released, but he is under investigation by the police for something. And uh, it's, it's not good publicity for him. He's, uh, he's getting old. He's an aging past rusher. And he missed this entire season due to a foot injury. And, uh, yeah, the Broncos might move on from him if, if charges are filed or if something is found on him. So, uh, I don't see any other way around it. You kind of yeah. have to. It's, uh, we'll see what happens. That, so we got to yeah. give everyone their, uh, due process and see mm-hmm. what comes of it. Yeah, we will see. Uh, let's continue on with some not so great news. Josh Gordon, who we mentioned a podcast or two podcasts ago that he, yeah, would, be, ago. he would be possibly coming back. And then he was not going to be coming back. And now he's definitely not coming back. Uh, his conditional reinstatement was rescinded and he's now suspended again indefinitely, which is a rough thing for him. For it's sure. unfortunate, man. This guy is, as we mentioned on that podcast that we did a few weeks ago, he's had an up and down career and he's had a lot of struggles that he's been trying to deal with, but it just seems like every time he's got his life in order, something just brings it right back down. Yeah. Um, and from from my personal view right now, I think at this point, he's he's tried to come back so many times and it seems like he's had so many setbacks now. I think he he might just need to stay away from football because I don't know, something about it seems to be triggering him. And, you know, even though he's a fantastic football player, would love to see him play again. The one thing we definitely want is for, for everybody to be, to be healthy and, and safe. And if that's the best thing for him, then um, yeah, he's, he's got to take care of himself. Well said. All right. Um, Let's move on to one of my favorite characters in the NFL, the son of bum, Wade Phillips, the son of legendary coach Bum Phillips. You know what? Legendary coach of legendary coach Bum Phillips and legendary coach Wade Phillips. We'll we'll put them both there. Yeah, we'll put them both there. (laughs) Uh, Wade Phillips has announced. On Twitter, he says, I am ready to retire from retirement. I am ready and available. Let's win. He took this past year off uh, from coaching. He did some coaching clinics, uh, did some just general chatting, you know, storytelling about his experiences in the NFL with other players, other coaches, teams. And uh, yeah, he's, he's ready. He's ready to come back. And honestly, there's a lot of teams interested in him. Um, Is he willing to come to Chicago? I really hope so. Um, Could he use him? Yes. Uh, He's a brilliant defensive mind who's had success at every level that he's coached at, even as a head coach. Yeah. um, Probably what he's most known for recently is that legendary no-fly defense, 2015 Broncos, the defense that carried Peyton Manning to a Super Bowl. Um, he put together DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller there. Great pass rush, great secondary. When he was coaching at Dallas Cowboys, DeMarcus Ware was spending his first years with Wade Phillips and had arguably the best 
years of his career with Wade Phillips. Um, when Wade Phillips was with the Texans in 2012, JJ Watt won defensive player of the year with him. Um, in 2018, when he was with the Rams, Aaron Donald won defensive player of the year. So honestly, if he came to Chicago, he's got Khalil Mack. He's got Akeem Hicks. He's got Robert Quinn, you know, Roquan Smith. Yeah, you could do some real damage Eddie with that. Jackson. There's a lot of toys that are available to work from. If I'm him right now, I'm going to get to why we want him because we'll bring that up in a bit. But if I'm Matt Nagy right now, and if you want some way to, I mean, the pieces are there. And if you want to really uh, solidify this defense and get it back to 2018 status, then you need a guy like uh, Wade Phillips leading the charge. And I hope. And I hope that they're taking, uh, at least considering calling him. They yeah. need someone. So. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of teams interested in him right now. He's been connected with the Falcons, the Raiders, and just generally a lot of teams that are looking to pair him, a veteran defensive coordinator, with a young or rookie head coach, kind of like how he was paired with Sean McVay in the Rams. But, uh, yeah, good, good to see him back. He's a wonderful character. Moving on, let's go to Jared Valkir, who at one time was poised to make NFL history by playing for two different teams in the same playoffs. He's not going to be able to do that. Um, so how, how about I give you some, some, yeah, how about I give you some background information here? Valkir spent most of 2020 without a team. He signed with the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts uh, onto their practice squad in late December. He was called up for their wild card game against the Bills, which the Colts lost. After that game, he was reverted back to the practice squad instead of being on the active roster because he was only brought in for that game. And the Green Bay Packers said, hey, we lost our starting left tackle just a few weeks earlier. Let's get Veld here off of the Colts practice squad. Packers signed him onto their active roster, and they were probably going to play him in this game for this weekend against the Rams. One interesting piece of background that I read on him was since he was playing for the Colts, and I don't think he was able to spend Christmas with his family, he and his mom are going to spend, like, celebrate Christmas this week. Well, <laughs> oh. that, that changed. Yeah. Uh, so he's he's landed on the COVID list. He tested positive. He's sadly not going to be able to make NFL history. Um, so just, but 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 is he still going to be on the Packers team? Because assuming he recovers in a decent time frame, could still play in a game. If that's true. Did. If the Packers win, um, so yeah, we'll see. He still has some still has some hope. Hope is good is good uh let's move on to the injury reports coming in uh so for the rams john wolford the the hero for the rams has been ruled out with a neck injury after he he left the game last week with a a very scary looking injury he was uh loaded up onto an ambulance and sent to the hospital that was uh, that was, yeah, that was something to watch. But good thing he was able to come back 
and he celebrate with his team after the game. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't see him playing. Yeah, I mean, he's not playing. So, um, also for the Rams, Cooper Cup is questionable, which is if he doesn't play, that's that's bad for the Rams because he's he is Jared Goff's guy. Um, and you're playing in Green Bay with a cold, so just in general. You and I have been accustomed to this in the cold because uh, we live in this area. I mean, cold affects injuries. It makes it, not, it makes it more painful. It makes it you're easily to get injured because you're not your body isn't as warm, obviously. Mm-hmm. And and also with the Rams, Aaron Donald left in the last game after it looked like he he landed on somebody's foot or somebody's leg on his ribs and he was uh in some considerable pain he said he's going to be playing he's not listed on the injury report i believe but you you hope that he's going to be able to play through with that and and not injure himself but uh yeah we'll see um for the bills they're going to miss zach moss for the rest of the postseason with an ankle injury so they signed devonta freeman to their to their practice squad so we'll be uh probably seeing him and uh i believe other than that that is the bulk of the injury report Jason hill on the same out mm. and that's going to limit what the scenes can do in a way because they do um and they use them around a lot in different situations so as yeah. a quarterback receiver special teams running back is just one element of the team that isn't there. I mean, there are a lot of other also looking at this list. There are a lot of other uh, players here for different teams, but I think you covered most of them. One other thing I would add would be Clyde Edwards, Alaire. Clyde Edwards, Alaire. He's yes. Questionable. So he could play now. I mean, he's had time to rest. So we'll see how that goes. Yep. And Trenton, we are still talking about COVID. We are still talking about COVID. It's been almost a year now, hasn't it? Speaking of almost a year, Trenton, it has been a year to this week that we started our very first broadcasting of Tampa 2 Tuesday at Radio DePaul Sports. It's been a year, man. <laughs> That's, uh, it, it doesn't feel like it's been a year. Well, we did take a big break in the summer. We, we didn't go. That's, we went from like May to September. We took off. So that is true. We'll um, see what we do. We'll see what we do this year. But uh, mm-hmm. still, I mean, we put together some quality shows, and the year's not over yet. The season's still going. So we will be keep going. That's how to bring that up when you mentioned the year. How to think the happy things. Who who would have thought at this time started the show? how much COVID would have impacted. I mean, you and I were sitting in a booth across from each other. And this mm-hmm. was January. COVID was a thing, but it wasn't as prevalent in the U.S. as it was in China or some other countries like that. So um, just think how things have changed so fast. Think about where you were a year ago. But... And Kevin Stefanski can think about where he was a year ago, coaching the Minnesota Vikings 
and not in the playoffs. <laughs> but now, as we all knew from last week, he was sitting in his basement watching the Browns completely uh, handle the Pittsburgh Steelers. And think about it, that was threatening. He was in his basement and he had no, he wanted to make sure he had no connection to anything. So no phones, no devices, no social media. And he watched the game, his team, from his basement. But now he'll be back in the building. He's yeah. back in the building. He's not, yeah. It's, uh, it's a good story for him, especially since, you know, he had to, he had to watch his team get into the playoffs and play a playoff game without him there, which I'm sure was tough and, and absolutely devastating for him. But, you know, they, they stayed in the playoffs by beating the Steelers. So he'll, uh, he'll still have a chance to coach a, a playoff game in person. Hopefully we'll see what, ha- we'll see what happens with that. And uh, I think it'll be a tough one though. He's playing the chiefs. So what a yeah. game would that be though for him to come back and beat the chiefs in Kansas city? That would be something. Yeah. And uh, they, they have been getting a lot of their starters back from the COVID list. Uh, Joel Batonio was their offensive guard, Denzel Ward and Kevin Johnson, both of them defensive backs for the team. Uh, there's one important guy who's still missing, and that is their all-pro right tackle, Jack Conklin. I believe he's still on the COVID list. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're slowly getting their starters back, and they should uh, put up a fight against the Chiefs at least. One last thing to mention on Stefanski is that since he was watching the game in his basement, he would, the rest of his family was watching the game upstairs. And he says that on that opening, I think it was the opening snap for the Steelers, how they had really, I mean, they messed up that snap really badly. His feed in the basement TV was lagging behind the feed on the upstairs TV. So the sound of his kids screaming and jumping and joy allowed him to know oh, something good is just about to happen. I mean, just, just a little added tidbit there of watching the game from home. And spoiler alert. <laughs> he, he, he had it spoiled for him. <laughs> he didn't know what was happening. He just knew that he could have been excited. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on here. We're going to skip the power rankings like we did last week because – Honestly, I don't see the purpose anymore. Trying this, this, the path, the majority of the league isn't going to move, and and these playoff teams are all good. So, like, no point in really discussing them. But continuing on to the Brown, Browns and Steelers game, we're just going to be talking about this game, and after that, we'll get to the Rams and Seahawks. What happened to the Steelers? I mean, oh, not man. not even not even this string. Eleven and zero. Mm-hmm. 12 and 4 to losing the first game of the playoffs to losing the first game of the playoffs against the Browns who had not played in the playoffs since 2002 to losing the first game of the playoffs against the Browns who had not played since 2002 to losing to them without their head coach. I know we have, I broke that down <laughs> way too much, but just what happened to the Steelers? I mean, just man, when you talk about mid-season collapses, and and we talked earlier about the Seattle Seahawks and how that offense just absolutely 
sputtered. This this team, the Steelers, is probably the bigger <laughs> the bigger case of that happening. I mean, you said it before, eleven and zero, and everybody was talking about how oh they might be they might go undefeated. Then they they get their first loss, and then everybody's like, did that record? mask all the issues that were happening within this because they were issues like they admitted in the south my time oh, yes. saying we are a bad team and we are not mm-hmm. good but we're still winning so it's like and did people become lazy uh, i don't know uh it probably played a big factor to it and steelers only won one game towards the last month of the season so it's like mm-hmm. yeah i mean generally they say Right. When you're going undefeated and you have that like that pressure of staying undefeated looming over your head and, you know, it can it can sort of bother your team, bother your players. You know, they're not thinking as much about the next games as much as they are, you know, oh, we might be undefeated. They have that constant pressure. And, you know, after that first loss, which was to the Washington football team, which was not a good team and was a shocking loss. But, you know, after that loss, one might have thought, okay, that pressure to be undefeated now is gone. You know, they can focus on being a football team, winning their games, but then they lost again, and then they lost again. <laughs> um, and from there, their exactly. season just collapsed. I mean, they lost to the Browns twice, <laughs> the last game of the year, and then again the next week after <laughs> in the wild card round. Thinking about going off the point you just mentioned here, the pressure to win and go undefeated. Okay, you lose the first game. That pressure is over now. Mm-hmm. Now, now you can go fifteen and one, but it just collapsed. All right, enough of the Steelers. Though we got to talk about the Browns and their success. They won a playoff game. Baker has a playoff victory. Baker has a playoff victory. The Browns, in general, thought, have a playoff I victory. I thought they were going to go to – yeah, exactly. I thought they were going to score, like, 50 points on the Steelers the way that first quarter went. They were up, like, 28-0 to zero, something like that. That was a record, wasn't it? Most, I uh, believe it was. Something most, like, yeah. most points in, in a first quarter. I mean, it helped, but the Steelers kept turning the ball over, too. Yeah. Um, it was – Nothing to discredit the Browns here. Yeah, it was like – the Broncos when they face the, the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl, you know, a high flying offense. And then all of a sudden, you know, one after another, everything that goes bad goes bad. <laughs> I mean, in the end, the Steelers had to rely on Ben's arm the whole time. I think he threw like 60 times or something. 68, 68 pass attempts, 501 yards, four touchdowns, four interceptions. <laughs> Man, how did how did he have a how did he have a shoulder after this game? <laughs> His arm's probably fallen off by the end of that. Sixty-eight throws. <laughs> he was probably he happy is. the game was over. The season was <laughs> over too. He probably was. He's he's like, if I have to throw another pass, I'm I'm done. <laughs> Bring in Mason Rudolph. I can't throw another one. Good for the Browns and they got their win and uh, we'll see what they do this week. Yeah, Browns yep. Seahawks. The game that Rams. you thought John Wolford would have carried for the Rams. I mean they did win, but they went back to Jared Goff. Yes, it was it was not John Wolford who was able to 
carry it for them because he, he played decently well though and there was a very few minutes that he played and I think they could have um I mean it wasn't looking at the Seahawks were gonna do anything so <laughs> why not yeah um man Russell Wilson I I'm I'm just so lost on what what happened to him I mean the Rams absolutely shut him down in this game I mean he he was under constant duress. He couldn't really find anybody open. He just, it's just he couldn't do anything in this game. No, and he's probably still one of the best quarterbacks playing in the game, and just didn't look like it. Yeah, I mean, Jerry. This Goff, is a Rams team in general that was. Yeah, the season wasn't playing. To, to their standards. And like you were saying, you're about to say, I believe, Jared Goff. Jared, Jared Goff, yeah. I mean, you know, he, he was supposed to be the emergency quarterback. John Wolford is supposed to be the starter. John Wolford goes down. Jared Goff comes in. You're not entirely sure what the status of his thumb is. I mean, he's got, it looks he's bad. got pins in it. Yeah, he's got pins it in it. Bad. You're not sure if that thumb is going to stay intact or, you know, is it going to fall off by the end of the game? You know, what's going to happen? Um, he completed nine of his 19 pass attempts. He only complete, he only completed nine passes. You know, <laughs> it's a miracle that the Rams won and he only threw, he only completed nine passes. I'm sorry. Um, and he attempted 19 passes. Uh, even Russell Wilson though, 11 completions, 27 attempts. I mean, he, he just couldn't find anything. Did he ever turn it over? I don't remember. Uh, one interception, Wilson. I believe. One interception by Wilson, which was a pick six, I believe, right? Uh, no, that yes, was a, that was. A, or, was it? Yes, it was. Yeah, okay. Darius Williams, cornerback Darius Williams, brought it back. So back to back weeks, the Rams come up with a pick six. Yeah, yeah, um, Cardinals. I mean, the Rams' defense right now is is absolutely clicking, and you know some of it has to go with Brandon Staley, their defensive coordinator, who has been a, a hot name in terms of possible head coaching offers. But, uh, of course, he, he can't really yet since he's, he's still defensive coordinator for the Rams who are still in the playoffs. I mean, if those four teams want to, want to wait around for him, then why not? Mm-hmm. But looking at it, though, um, they got the Packers coming up this week I mean Goff didn't have any practice time this last week so maybe that contributed to some of the the rust and I mean now that he knows going into the week that he will be starting the game and not just the emergency back and quarterback that might help him but again a Russell Wilson is a different beast than an Aaron Rodgers and you're playing in Aaron Rodgers' home Mm -hmm. I mean Aaron Donald's going to have his hands full but uh, we shall see what comes of that. Okay, Trenton. We're getting close to the end. But we cannot end this show without talking about the last Bears game of the <laughs> 2020 season. The last Bears game of the 2020 season, indeed. Last time we will see the Bears play football until the next September. season. Yeah. Um, 
you would you like to open this up? Who? Thank you. Um, can Javon Wims not see? Does he not have? <laughs> is he not paid to catch the ball? He he really channeled his inner Nelson Aguilar on that on that one there. Um, and what are wrong with the officials? I mean, yes. no, I'll get to that. I'll get to the, I'll get to the Bears <laughs> in general. But I'm just saying, right now, I need to find out what is to launch an investigation to an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Is that the yes. new pass interference? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I guess for for reference for uh, the listeners who who might not have seen this game or might have wiped all memory of it um, after it was done. Uh, this, is, this is a situation in which Cole Komet tosses the ball over a Saints player to the ref and the ref looks up. His, his arms are slightly extended. The ball goes right through his arms, just like the ball went through the arms of Javon Wims and the ref goes, that was weird. I think Cole Komet was taunting the other player, reaches down, throws up the flag, and calls Cole Komet for unsportsmanlike conduct for what is supposedly throwing the ball at a Saints player, which he was not. Yeah. That was... Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It, know. It, it pushed the beers out of possibly getting a touchdown, which they definitely needed there. Um, Looking at the team, though, in general, they were pretty competitive in the first half. Defense yeah. kept the Saints in check. Mm-hmm. But again, it's been part of the same story along. I mean, we changed quarterbacks, we changed play calling. There's, there isn't that much production. I mean, I still think we could have won this game if things, if you had one or two drives that started to go well. I mean, it was only 21 to nine was the final score. I mean, that ending touchdown by Jimmy Graham, that was perfect. Catch it and walk right off. Mm-hmm. In his old stadium, he played in New Orleans, so yeah, that was. Um, I mean, we'll I be mean, getting into the we'll be getting into the Bears' future and everything, and more episodes once the season's over. And I think next week for the rest of the playoffs, I think we probably be taking a break unless there's any major news that breaks in the team. Uh, one positive note here is that this game was simulcast on Nickelodeon. And it had Nickelodeon's highest-rated program in the past four years. So nice. even SpongeBob, even SpongeBob, couldn't be can compete with the with the NFL. I'm, it's just sad that they had to see this game. Yes, and and also sad that that Corderell Patterson gifted young children with uh, quite the line. <laughs> Although I believe on Nickelodeon, it was censored by dolphin noises or something like that i i wasn't watching but i mean <laughs> i flipped i flipped back and forth a couple times to nickelodeon just to see how the broadcaster is looking i mean if you're trying to get people to want kids to watch the game it's a good effort and uh, imagine the kid who turns on his sunday morning sunday afternoon cartoons and just finds football it's like what is this 
<laughs> but uh, I, I feel that they might uh, incorporate this more, especially if they're trying to reach the younger audience. Right. And, uh, just making it more appealing to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, players don't care. They're, play, they're there to play the game. It's more the entertainment aspect of the broadcast. Uh, a couple more points here is that uh, we will be continuing on with Brian Pace and Matt Nagy as yep. the GM and head coach. And there's only one thing I want to mention here is that people really forget how bad things were a couple of years ago. And I know things haven't been good. We haven't had that productive of seasons, but we have made the playoffs two out of three years. And we've had rel- and we haven't had a losing season, be it that they were two eight and eight seasons, but um, I don't know, man, I think it's right to give them one more chance. And just to see the amount of chaos would ensue if we would have to start over all again. Just imagine, remember what it was like with John Fox and imagine oh, what no. it was like with Mark Tressman. It just didn't work out. And yeah. I think the Bears realized that situation was a mess from the beginning and they got rid of him fast. They only gave him two years, which that first year of Tressman was a decent year, actually. Eight and eight, almost made the playoffs. Same situation we were in this year. But uh, except we didn't make the playoffs. Um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, also, we've seen that Ryan Pace have success in the draft, and he did bring in Cleo Mack, who is still one of the top pass rushers in the NFL. And I think that him and Akeem Hicks and a healthy Roquan Smith and possibly getting Eddie Goldman back after he opted out. Again, I'm ready to give him one more year. And if things don't work out, then we can move on. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think right now it's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do. I mean, this year the offense has, has finally shown more flashes of, of being better than it was before. Mitchell Trubisky now, they have to make a decision about him. That's the hardest um, decision. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, they, they paid a lot of money to to Robert Quinn to be a, their star pass rusher on the other side of Cleo Mack, but he hasn't really panned out this year. He only got two sacks, and when you're paying a guy a lot of money and he only gets two sacks, that's not very good. But that, Maybe that a Wade Phillips type of guy could, uh, could help with that. Yeah, uh, that brings us into our next point that – Chuck Pagano, defensive coordinator, is uh, going to be retiring. He spent two seasons with the Bears and almost four decades coaching at both the NFL and college level. So um, he's been a good coach. I yeah. Mean, and overall, the Bears in his two years, the defense wasn't what we expected, but they were still top of the league. I mean, the thing that comes to Chicago is. This team is built on defense because of the history that we've had with the 85 Bears. And then we've had like top players like Brian Urlacher and Julius Peppers and Lance Briggs, Charles Tillman. These all these top players. So defense has been our core strength here, but still Pagano allowed the Bears to be the fourth in the NFL in points allowed, eighth in yards, 13th in uh, his first year. And then this year, past year, he, we were um, 13th in points, 11th in yards, 
So we're still pretty, we're in the top of the league, but uh, it didn't look right. And I think that if things, if he didn't retire, he probably would have been removed. But I, I like to see that he went out his way. And think about it, this guy fought cancer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A few years ago. And just to see that resilience come out of that when he was a head coach of the Colts. It's just that it seems like an all-around good guy. Yeah. Um, players all around the league, they all love they all love him. You know, all the players who have played under him love him as well. So it's, you know, it's he's he's led a good career. He sure has. All right, Trenton, closing out the show. Time to close out the show. But we cannot leave without picking this week's game. So let's uh, – we did not do so good last week. No, Probably we did the not. worst week that we've had. Two yeah. and four each of us. And our overall records didn't improve that well that much either. But for the Saturday afternoon game, Trenton, Rams at Packers. Oh man. Um Packers offense is spectacular, but I'm going to say the Rams defense will shut them down. I am taking the Packers as much as I don't want to. I just feel like Aaron Rodgers after a week off in his home, probably going to snow and it's going to be cold because it's Lambeau. So why not take the Packers? All right. Uh, Ravens and Bills. Going to go Bills. Same. Bills. Browns and Chiefs. Oh, as much as I think it would be interesting if the Browns were to be able to beat the Chiefs, because that would be a a wild storyline. I'm going to go with the Chiefs here. I'm going with the Chiefs as well. I mean, it would not. I wouldn't. It wouldn't hurt me. It would not hurt me to see the Browns win. Quick question. Mm-hmm. Hypothetically speaking, Browns win and Ravens lose. I mean, Ravens win. Ooh. Where does where is the AFC Championship the game? What's what are I'm blanking on what seed the Ravens are. I are they below have, or are they above the the Browns? Because is there a chance the AFC Championship game is held in Cleveland? That's uh, that's a good question. I'm gonna have to. Look and this that. is a really stretched out issue. <laughs> but uh, while you're looking at that, Trenton Buccaneers at Saints. I'm going to go with the Saints. This is. This is kind of a hard issue. It would have been a lot harder if the Bucks performed better the second time against the Saints. I know they put up a good fight the first game of the season, but the way they got destroyed in that game in Tampa towards the end of the season, only scoring three points, I'm going with the Saints, but uh, never count out Tom Brady. So you don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, I believe the Browns were the sixth seed and the Ravens were the fifth seed. Oh, so it would have been held in – it would be in Baltimore. Yes, I think that's how it's going to be. Imagine how it would have been if it came to that and the Browns are hosting the AFC Championship. That, that would, would be, be something. Yeah, that that fan base would be even more ecstatic than they already are. And they have fans. They're allowed to have fans. But uh, sadly, we will not – experience that no matter what the scenario comes out to be because of the seedings. All right, so I think that does it for us here. Uh, anything else you'd like to add here? Uh, no, I don't think so. Just all right, cool. Thank you all. 
Exactly. Thank you all for listening to the Body Laces podcast. We hope you have a great rest of the week, and we'll be back here for another episode recapping this week and looking to championship weekend. Don't forget to follow us at BillMalling15 and Trenton underscore Cedar. Please stay safe and wear a mask. Hire the son of bum.